Boxeo is back on the In This Corner podcast with Brian Campbell, and that is the voice you are currently hearing, the Brian Campbell, coming at you with another legacy-defining dose, yes, of that performance-enhancing audio. You want it, you need it. Well, look at here. You got it. We've got another big show coming at you with a very, very special guest. Oloki, you are next, my friend. Yes, unified middleweight champion Gennady Golovkin will stop by to talk about his September 16th super fight against that voice you heard, Canelo Alvarez. We'll also hear Triple G's take on Floyd Mayweather swooping in them DMs trying to steal his thunder by booking the Conor McGregor match just three weeks before the real boxing match of the year, depending on the side you're on, of course. You know, real versus fake, carnival versus legit. We'll get into that with Triple G. We'll also recap the weekend that was in the fight game, play another round of what's it look like. But before I tag in my mainest man in the world of the sweet science, let me remind you once more to do your part. If you've been listening to the BC and Rafe B show and have been thinking to yourself, I like you. I like sex. It's nice. Then there's one thing you can do above all the rest to make sure that this podcast continues to be a knockout success. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, heck, even spread that word on social media using the hashtag in this corner. Make sure to do your part to show some respect for box. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes. I respect athletes too, but now it's time to grab that ginger and make the audio magic. He's an international renowned author, writer, editor. Heck, he's a Filipino television host. The great Rafe Bartholomew Big Red. You want to sing it with me after last week? Cruising the world. Sometimes when we touch. Oh, hey. The Ropes Karaoke is back. I was going to, I thought cruising was made for boats. Little Senator Manny Pacquiao action. Yes. Um, Brian, I have a question about performance enhancing audio. Yes. We've been, we've been getting a lot, uh, uh, some steady dosage here. Do I have to, uh, worry about shrinkage? There's just no back knee. There's no shrinkage. No. It's, <laughs> no it's, it's, knee, it's no untraceable. Back knee, uh, 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 an apt moment to mention back knee with uh, the retirement of Juan Manuel Marquez over the weekend. Oh, wow. A, a big story to touch the heart of all of us, Rafe. I'm sure that in the Philippines, they are, are they more, are they, well, that's a good question. Are they, um, do they look at Juanma as like how Celtics, how me as a Celtic fan looks at Magic Johnson years later? We're like, man, damn, I love that guy. Well, okay. First of all, there's only one Juanma. I don't think we're giving one. Wow, like, did Juan... I just call Juan Manuel Marquez Juanma <laughs> Wash Lopez? Yeah. Wow. I, don't, I don't think Juan Manuel Marquez wants the Juanma. No, name, and I don't think Juanma can ever be replaced. Well, I just had a, ha, I got a handed my hashtag boxing heads card for that mistake, right? That screw up. That's a that's a that's a tricky one. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Uh, there is especially because I think Manny himself has been. You know, in, in the ring, such a, a, a almost uncommon example of like great sportsmanship. He's always, I guess, I guess he has had his moments where he's, he's telling Max, like, I think I won the fight. Um, but, uh, he's, he's become a little less, uh, generous lately. Um, but he, over the years, he, ba- you know, when, I, when he's lost, when he's gotten robbed, when he got knocked out, he's always like, you know, uh, we just want to give the people a good fight and blah, 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 blah. It can sound a little bit like a broken record, but, that example and the great fights, people, yes, in the Philippines really do respect Marquez. I think I think there's a wish that he had given Manny a fifth fight because Manny 
you know, after all those close decision wins and the draw, kept, kept, you know, kept giving Marquez chances. And Marquez, you know, finally got his win <laughs> in such emphatic fashion and walked away and was like, never again, suckers. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but overall, I think especially he, they, they, they defined that generation. Uh, for a lot of boxing fans and certainly for fans in the Philippines, and I think to a large degree in Mexico as well. We had a trio of big retirements we will get to shortly. We will start off the show, though, with the weekend recap because our guy Rafe was on the scene, crispy and clean, in Los Angeles at the Microsoft Theater. Snobby, ooh, were you there for the ESPYs and you just stayed late for this for the fight? You saw Vasily Lomachenko defend his junior lightweight title with an eighth-round destruction of Miguel Mariaga. Rafe, I did not know heading into this that this was almost a Radio City Music Hall-type venue when they did the wide shot on ESPN. I was like, oh, wow, this is like this, the fight is uh, – the, the ring is on the stage. I mentioned that's the theater where they do the ESPYs. Uh, please enlighten us on where you sat and what your experience was like being back on the scene covering Boxeo. Oh, it was great. Great to be, you know, at a live fight on the West Coast. The West Coast fight crowd is always, you know, it, it, it's sort of at a peak maybe at, in Carson at the StubHub Center, but you, you get these, you know, you get fans who really love the sport every time you, you're in, you know, Southern California, uh, watching a fight. So that was all cool. Um, the actual, you know, the, the actual fights didn't exactly like, you know, set me on fire or pour anything down my pants. Any sugar? Um, no, no, no one poured any sugar on you in the name of love? Uh, <laughs> not, not this time. Um, but it, you know, just the, the fight atmosphere, it was cool to be there. Um, you know, I don't know what to, I, I, I felt this was one of those Vasily, Vasily Lomachenko performances where he looks great, but doesn't, make me go wild for him i mean i guess for so i don't know sometimes like the sosa fight the walters fight those ones i was like you know doing backflips holy crap look at this guy um these he still he shows the same skills against mariaga and i remember i saw forget oh he was a uh, the guy he the guy lomachenko beat on the undercard of the tim bradley brandon rios uh uh, fight. Yeah, I can never pronounce that guy's name. What was it? It was um, something ridiculous. He was, he's half Japanese, half Mexican, uh, and, uh, and, ha- and all forgotten. Yeah, yeah, and got beaten largely the same fashion as Miguel Mariaga, and and those. You're not talking I mean, about Romulu Kashiga or something like that, right? Yeah, when the yeah, that's actually this close. Um, when when the level of hashtag toyage is so high as it was uh, against Mariaga. It can get a little, for me, less entertaining to watch Lomachenko work. I hope that doesn't mean I have to hand in my my uh, my boxing head. Yeah, card. this in the end was a mismatch. I will give though. I will give Lomachenko this credit. It's a it's a platform showcase opportunity. They couldn't get the Salido fight. Salido reportedly turned down seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, career high, whatever money. They give him a tough guy. But I'll give Lomachenko – we knew from round one or two, basically round two, that it was going to be a complete wash. At least he entered showman mode. He knew the platform. He knew that he had to – okay, he knows he's not a huge puncher at 130, right? He could get you out of there like he got Rocky Martinez out of there by hitting you with punches you don't see. He's that dynamic. But he's also in there with a tough, durable guy. I think he realized, okay, look, I got to give them something that will keep them watching. So he did after that third-round knockdown where he – backed himself into a corner and sort of started to taunt Mariaga and, and sort of, you know, called him on. He was doing a lot of padding on the head, some, you know, annoying taunting like that. I think he did that at the very least 
to to entertain while he knew it was one-sided. I just felt the whole fight, Rafe, that he could have gotten him out of there anytime he wanted. He, like, that he could have peppered him to the point where the ref would have jumped in because there was – hashtag toyage is the right word. Some people on Twitter were like, it looks like he's playing with his food, and you got that picture. He looked like when you play video games against, like, a child who has no idea what they're doing and you're playing, like, NBA Live, so you just start, like, going around the back and trying to hit full-court shots. He was, like, in that mode the whole time. I don't know, man. I think that's like when a child plays video games with me at, at my washed age yes. and, uh, and ability on, a, on, a, on video games. But yeah, it was a li- But let me ask you, Brian, like, does Lomachenko going into, you know, quote unquote showman mode, does that really get you going? I mean, I personally, the, the, the most excited I have probably ever been was that, uh, was the, the Rocky Martinez fight where he, you know, where just the, you know, was a straight, Wipeout, you know, and and ended with that amazing knockout, a uh, combination sort of leaping knockout uh, that had, you know, I mean, Martinez out like what hit me, and which we haven't seen, and he's fought a lot of tough guys. Um, that was the that if, if, I, I would prefer to see a moment like that than the sort of virtuoso skill set, kind of messing around, not taking it seriously. It, it I mean, not, I shouldn't say not taking it seriously, but he's just in such control against. So far, just about everyone he's he's fought that uh, that that Lomachenko can do that. Yeah, um, I think the only criticism is is that he didn't. It doesn't work for me. I'm not feeling that. Well, I'd, the, I'd rather you know go ahead, knock him out if you could do it. Well, that's the crit. The criticism is that he didn't do that in the in rounds three and four and go for the knockout like he did in rounds six and seven, which led to the stoppage when Mariaga essentially after round seven said no mas and. It, all right, here's the thing, though. I got some bone to pick with ESPN, though. It's like you set up this showcase opportunity for him. It's supposed to start at 10 p.m. Eastern, and then, of course, it's like Friday Night Fight flashback all over again of how many times we sat through, like, college softball waiting another 20 minutes. For this time, the Pro Football Hall of Fame speeches, which this time it was something that pseudo-mattered. You turn it on at 10 Eastern, you got LaDainian Tomlinson, then you realize Jerry Jones hasn't gone yet, Kurt Warner hasn't gone yet. So, okay, they play the bingo of putting the fights on ESPN2 for a while, then they bring it back to ESPN. In the end, that doesn't really make me all that mad, right? I'm smart enough and poised enough to realize I could go right to ESPN 3 on my laptop or, or even TV and watch it. My problem is this. You don't run out that main event till like 1, almost 1 a.m. Like, come on, brah. This is not a... I get when it's a big, big, big time pay-per-view and they don't start until midnight and it is what it is in the end. This should not have been that. And I know the same thing happened with Pacquiao Horn. And you know what it just created was more time that we had to hear Stephen A. Smith as their only studio analyst. It's not like Stephen A. Smith is there in a comedic role or there in a let-me-give-you-a-hot-take role. He was literally there as the only expert, and he's spewing out incorrect facts. He's basically saying stuff like this. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. I just love playing that sound. But, all but I mean, so it was a little bit of bungling and the timing and all of that. But do you think, though, and this was the goal of the fight, do you think in the end, casual fans that stayed up for this come out of there going, damn, this guy Lomachenko, only 10 pro fights, he's a cool-looking dude, now he's trying to speak English, which is kudos to him, by the way, for doing that post-fight interview in English. Man, I want to follow him on ESPN everywhere he goes. Do you think that was the result? 
Um, I, anecdotally, I actually think that that did happen a little to, to whoever, to some, for some of the people who saw it. And I had a couple friends who, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I, this is, uh, not really a disclosure, but both of us used to work for ESPN. I used to work out of that LA office. Um, and I had a few friends who still work for the company who, who just got, you know, who were able to get comp tickets or, or credentials because they work for ESPN and checked it out and aren't huge boxing fans. Didn't really, you know, heard, oh man, this Lomachenko guy is something else. And, you know, when I, I, I actually, you know, texted a couple of them afterwards saying, you know, oh, you know, uh, good to see you, you know, sorry, the fights didn't quite turn out to be, you know, magic. And they were like, I don't know, that last one was awesome. So, so um, I, so real quick, I had multiple texts from former ESPN colleagues that are casual boxing fans that gave me the same reaction. So I guess it worked, right? So I think, yeah, to, to whatever extent that, that, uh, people who were still have jobs at ESPN, uh, that dwindling number. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, the, it seems like that virtuoso skill set, um, to people who have not seen all of it before, like we have, uh, is something, which I guess that, and this is not that surprising. It's, it, it is very impressive. You know, you see Vasily Lomachenko, what, he, what he can do in a boxing ring. And it was pretty cool that he basically, called that third round knockdown of Mariaga where he, you know, he sort of, bec- he, he sort of, you know, baited him forward and then, you know, sort of, you know, like two, two little combinations punctuated by the, by a straight left with a, with a step on the foot and, and boom, you know, <laughs> down he goes. That was well done. The, the talk now is about where he goes next. Now there was a photo that, that got out there from Mikey Williams, the top ranked photographer of of uh, Lomachenko and Mikey Garcia, who ran into each other at the ESPN LA stu- you know, offices, studios, whatever, when they were crossing paths on radio interviews and what have you. And uh, you noticed, first of all, it made me fired up. Second of all, you noticed the size difference physically in a big way. And everybody tweeted at me, oh, Campbell, don't you get it? He's cutting to 130. That's why he looks smaller. No, dude, he's a lot smaller than Mikey Garcia, right? Where should Vasily go next? Up? to chase Mikey Garcia, down to chase Guillermo Rigondeaux, hang around at 30 to try to unify. If you're pushing his career and you're thinking strategy, I just had a showcase opportunity on ESPN. People are starting to get buzz on this guy. Where do you go next? I... All right, I see two ways of doing this. Um, I like. I would love to see the Mikey Garcia fight if, if they can make it. Um, and, you know, I don't know if there's a, you know, there's a nice... Uh, Nice fight hub video going uh, around with uh, Abel Sanchez where they caught up with him at 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 the fights and he and he was like, well, you know, I don't know if Mikey really needs to fight Lomachenko because Lomachenko just eats him up. So you know, yeah, well, you know, Abel never really uh never really uh you know soft pedals his opinions. So he uh and he came in with the heat on this one. So um it would be and that so anyway that look it would be a great fight. I don't. The, but like, I don't love the idea of Lomachenko just going up, 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 up. And, and if he wins at 135, there'd be that temptation to try and stay there. Um, and I don't, I mean, which, which I think is kind of a trap because there's, if you look around that weight class, there's less up there than there is for him at 130 or guys moving up potentially from 126 pounds. Um, I if if going up to 135 to get that huge uh, you know relatively huge fight against Mikey Garcia and you know gamble on himself to win if he wins gets the name and comes back to 130 if that's possible 
That makes sense to me. I don't like the idea of him staying at 135. And if the choice is between staying at 135 and staying at 130, I'd rather see him stay at 130. There's a lot of good fighters there. Does he outclass basically all of them? Probably. Uh, or, you know, as Miguel Cotto says, probably. Probably. Um, probably. Um, I don't know. Yes, I think prob- Mikey feels that's a, that's a scarier matchup. Then I don't want to say than I thought, but like think about it. Mikey just went to forty and looked great and looked like he can handle himself there. They go down to thirty-five for that for for you know Vasily coming up another weight class when he can already make twenty-six apparently with these. I like I see that now as like I want to see that fight obviously. I see that now as a more down the road dare to be great when you are a little bit more established a little when you've already done a little bit more things on the lower weight classes i almost feel like there's still business to be done in a salito rematch in maybe moving down a a few pounds to do the rigandau thing which you obviously you can't sell it because of rigandau style but you can sell it on tv you can sell it on espn two former double gold medalists against each other like i'd rather see him do that and then do mikey garcia a, a year and a half to two years from now not just that, or just also, and, and, and around, you know, if you, if you consider the guys, and now boxing politics plays a role here, who knows what can actually be done. Um, but there, but there are, although there are a lot of good fighters at 126. I mean, Carl Frampton yes. is still around. Uh, you know, Gary yeah. Russell wants that rematch. Now, would, do we, would we give him much of a chance in it? Probably not, but Gary Russell's good, man. I would, I would, I would like to see that again. Um, and you know, Leo Santa Cruz. I mean, like that is a fun. That is a fun. That'd be an interesting fight to see what what Lomachenko does with a big rangy guy who kind of you know who who's gonna try and pressure him and fights that way. Um, there there I there are more useful like more matchups I'd like to see in the in the lower range of weights than in the higher range of weights. I want Rigo, and, dude. And it's selfish. And, well, Rigo, of course, but like yeah, I don't know. I want to see Rigo to get his. Get I'm his... almost given up on it. Well, I've given up on him to a certain degree in terms of just the outright love, but that's his one fight to prove that he's, you know what I mean, that he is all that we've said he was as a pound-for-pound guy through the years. He'd have to move up, a, meaning Rigondeaux, another weight class, probably have to do that at 26 where he's already given up size. He can still make 118, but you got to, you know, he's 30-something years old. you got to dare to be great and do it. That fight, man, that would be the ultimate chess match for, for a boxing head. Like, that's the ultimate. Uh, I say do it. I say do it, Rafe, Okay. I say do it also. I don't know if I don't. I mean, Uncle Bob does not want uh, Rigo to ruin another one of his uh, prized, uh, you know, prized fighters. And obviously, I don't know if any. I don't know how many people will be picking Rigondeaux to, to to win that fight. But um, it's one where uh, I, I give him a, I give him more of a chance against Lomachenko than almost anybody in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to see that. I, I, you know, if you're Bob, though, throw the probably the best move. Seriously. Throw the money at Salido. He'll beat Salido in a rematch. There's the built-in storyline. Give Salido 800000 Whatever you have to do. Do it on ESPN. It would be a big deal. That's what I want to do. Rafe, other, other world, otherwise, otherwhere, everywhere. No, Campbell, get your words together. Elsewhere this weekend, Rafe was a almost a pseudo old school Friday night fights card on ESPN Friday night when that Golden Boy series produced pretty decent slobber knocker between washed welterweights when Mauricio Herrera outpointed Jesus Soto Carras. I don't necessarily want to talk about that fight, but watching that fight and watching how my DVR screwed me and somehow only recorded like a round and a half of it was spawned an idea for almost like a washed 
reality series. Like, think of it like a reboot of The Contender. Like, you know, UFC does The Ultimate Fighter, and they do it every year, going back more than a decade. And just last year, they did a, they almost did like a second chance series, a version of The Ultimate Fighter, where fighters who had been cut in the past from the UFC got a second chance at a contract. Why don't we do The Contender Redemption Series? And we'll do a season, and you, the only way to make it is you're a washed welterweight. And that's the bottom line. And the essentially, yeah, you do the reality show thing, they can live in a house. I don't even care. I just want to see a tournament of washed welters. And think of the potential there. Think of the guys that we are talking about, not just like a Mauricio Herrera or a JSK. Think of Andre Berto, Victor Ortiz, Brandon Rios, Mike see, Alvarado. I think, I think Victor Ortiz actually gets involved in this as the host. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> or the fashion model, whatever we have to right. do to get him, get him on there. I mean, tell, I mean, come on. You know I like hashtag old guy fights. You know I like sloppy Super Bowls. Would you pop for this on the level that I would? Is this a great idea or is this a really bad idea? I mean, come on. Get... No, it is. It, it's, it is. It is. I am more pumped about this than than almost anything outside of the cruiserweight tournament right now. I mean, <laughs> contender redemption, washed or not. I mean, you uh, there. There's so much to work with there. I mean, you you start you go through the whole. You know, the action fighters, the uh, the uh, the Brandon Rioses, the the Mike Alvarados, the uh, then then Alfonso can... Gomez, come on, Alfon- Alfonso Gomez, why throw Zahir Rahim in there? The king, See if he can, you know, get, just bring plenty of water. Um, uh, and and also maybe even, I mean, throw in some young guys who kind of fallen off track. Like, uh, what about Amir Imam? You know, See if no, too How first too of good? all, for... he's not washed, but he's sort of he's sort of he sort of got pushed to the side. I mean, this is no, a nice he's... little chance for him to get back in the mix. He just got outworked and, and stopped by Granados. He's got pop. He'll still be there. He's got to get out from under Don King's circus tent. But we're talking about legit wash guys, and there's so many of them. You could even, I mean, you want star power? Bring back Shane Mosley for this turn. I mean, you could, you know, you could, you could really, really get washed and get excited and get happy and, and get this guy Campbell fired up. I mean. I'd just let that wash. That'd be the theme song right there. Just, just oceans, just waves crashing against the ocean. <laughs> would you have? Who would your favorite be in that uh, in that imaginary tournament? I kind of like Andre Berto. I think he's the closest to still being able to hang with a non-washed, where he could maybe knock a few of those guys out. And I think that my rule would be: you have to make 147 on the first day of filming, and then you don't have to worry about your weight the rest of the time. So the day one, we do weigh-ins, okay? You make 147, that's it. The rest of the season, you can go as high as you want. Because it's a, you know, we're going to have washed rules, like maybe two-minute rounds, like a five-round fight, whatever we got to do, right? We're going to we're gonna just try to maybe, hey, you know what? You know what's a struggling brand that could use our love? The old BKB pit. You want to put it in the BKB pit for a full season and do a tournament? I'm down with it. We can cross-brand this. Talking. My friends can get with your friends. We can do it every weekend, but that's a good idea. <laughs> Rafe, the other thing we want to hit this weekend before we spend an hour on this topic was on Showtime. Clarissa Shields, in just her fourth pro fight, won a pair of super middleweight titles by stopping Nikki Adler in the fifth round. Also, teased a showdown with uh, middleweight champ hottie unbeaten Christina Hammer after the fight. Did you catch this post-fight interview where Hammer comes in in like a cocktail dress and they have a little bit of trash talk? Did you hear this? No, I got I got a little I got a little <laughs> bit of sound from this if if you're if you're interested in this. It was a good fight, but she beat Nikki uh, easy. Congratulations, and it was a good fight, but it's not good for me. I beat you both. <laughs> yeah, you you say that now. 
and you're in a dress and I'm in gear. You're getting on gear. I kick your ass right now. <laughs> Woo! Hey, hey. All right, I watched this fight. I will say this. First of all, lots to cover here. Clarissa Shield. The fights are fun, Rafe. If you're looking for somebody to back to make female boxing matter again, and I know a lot of promoters are trying to do that, right? Michaela Mayer, the, the Olympian, just got signed by Top Rank. She made her debut this weekend. They're trying to make something happen out of this. This is the right person because Shields is more talented than these girls, but she also has an aggressive style where she gets hit. And she comes in there to brawl, and these fights are brawls. I mean, she went in there against an undefeated girl, Nikki Adler, a champion, limited her to six punches landed over five rounds, and then got her out of there. It was pretty impressive stuff. I beat you both. That was a good. I like that. I I beat you both. Is if, if that if that happened in in you know on the men's side would be uh would be a meme by now. Yeah, especially if she, he was wearing a cocktail dress. But uh no, it was it was pretty. <laughs> I was pretty much down with that. Shields also came to the ring in Detroit with a with a rapper. It was a female rapper who had an eye patch and was wearing a boxing robe. And then her and Shields stood outside the ring and traded uh rap bars in an in an scene that was reminiscent of the great Roy Jones and. John Pascal before the, I believe it was the first Kovalev fight in the locker room on HBO. It you almost was, have forgot, yeah. Yeah, it was an all-time great moment. So there's some awkwardness with Shields' comedy, but she brings it. So this, as, as I'm washed, I got a phone going off in the background. So... Hold on, hold on. We're going to answer it? This yeah, is, yeah we're live, we're going. live, we're live. No, all right, all right. Yeah. That's great audio <laughs> no, I don't right care. There. No, no, we're bringing in callers to the pod. I'm just saying, Rafe, that uh, now we have a matchup. Her and Hammer have been uh, trading barbs on social media. Hammer's unbeaten, good-looking girl. We got something here, all right? I'm going to keep tuning in on Showtime. That's all I'm saying to you, okay? Let me know when it is. I'll watch the next one. All right, yeah, right, yeah, right. That was that was far from believable. Rafe, in the news this week in the world of boxing was those trio of retirements that we mentioned. The biggest news was Vladimir Klitschko at age forty-one stepping aside, and the reason why that's the biggest story is because the rematch with Anthony Joshua was was on the table. Eddie Hearn was already putting out down a uh, a reserve, a, a time buy, if you will, on on um, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas for November, looking to bring it there. I think, in the end, smart move by Vlad, and his whole career has been calculated and smart. And if you want to read a really smart column about Vlad's career and what his legacy should be, check out our good buddy Eric Raskin of HBO, who who recently put out a column that was real sober, you know, compared to a lot of the takes you'll see out there. Uh, I was I was happy to see this by Vlad. I would have popped for a Joshua rematch. I would have expected action, but I also would have expected him to get knocked out once again. So I felt like this was the the, the prime time. How are you sort of feeling overall about Klitschko stepping aside and where his legacy is at? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he proved really much, pretty much everything he needed to prove against Anthony Joshua, even though he, you know, he went out in a loss, he got stopped late. Um, but yeah, Vladimir Klitschko, you know, I, and I think, um, he, you know, he won a lot of respect in that fight. Chances are he was not going to win. Although I bet, uh, you know, I bet part of him and the reason he probably came this that close to making the rematch was that you know him thinking look i i controlled large portions of that fight if if i had gone for it after you know the fifth and sixth rounds when when joshua was recovering maybe i could have gotten him out of there you know and and he has that weapon obviously that right hand can still you know i mean can still knock just about anybody out uh so i i i understand you know it, it, i Part of me wish, you know, part of me still wants to see. I would there that there is enough unfinished business there to ha- to warrant a real rematch. But it's a smart, you know, it's it's smart. He doesn't lose anything by doing it, and you know, he he goes out as the as 
you know, the, the dominant, uh, heavyweight of his flawed generation, or, you know, not necessarily strong generation, but a guy who reigned on top of his division, which is all you can really ask a guy for to do. I mean, yeah, almost 10 years on top. I think that you just have to be sober when you talk about his legacy. You have to mention that. There was nobody for him to fight. Yes, he took everybody on av- available, there, but you know there wasn't any Hall of Famers out there for him to fight. Not his fault, but it has to be part of his legacy. I'll say this though: he really, you know, you talk about the class, the professionalism, keeping himself in top shape, being respectful when so many opponents, you know, Chisora spitting water in his face, Shannon Briggs showing up on the water trying to mess with him. How many times he kept his cool? More than that, what you eat, I eat. Yeah, good. Yeah, let's, you eat, champ? let's go, champ. The best thing about him, Rafe, is the best interview in boxing. And it's very underrated because you didn't get a lot of interview time. He didn't do a lot of U.S. media tours or whatever, but the rare chances I got to talk to him ahead of that, that Brian Jennings fight in 2015 at the Garden. Man, I mean, sober take on all your questions, cares about the answers, calls you by your first name constantly. I will tip the hat to Vlad the Gentleman and say, I bid you adieu. I wish you well. I'm sure you speak 19 languages. You're going to go make a ton of money anywhere else you go. You've got a hot wife. You got a lot, you got a lot to look ahead of you you know maybe you'll be the the, the co-mayor of ukraine you know but but you still can't by the way if he would he still i don't know if ukraine has a mayor brian yeah we'll, yeah, have, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go back and fact check that can we get a, a stat guy for this podcast first to keep my uh, phone on mute and second yeah all right there we go uh moving on from this wash segment rafe we also saw of course timothy bradley jr at 33 stepping away interesting smart move by the way really smart right to keep his you know, keep his health in check. He's got the broadcasting gig with top rank. You know, the, the, he's a family man. Do you think we see him back ever again? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, he's obviously of the age where he, he could make a comeback. I don't, what he, uh, if he decided to retire, he's probably making a calculation that he has, he's earned enough through the sport and that he has enough sort of, you know, in his streams of income uh, ahead of him that he doesn't need to fight anymore. Bradley seems like the kind of kind of guy who makes up his mind that he's out and, and stays, you know, I mean, unless, unless big Ray gets in his ear and is, uh, and is, you know, kind of call it, yo, why are you, why are you going out like this, Tim, Tim, you need to, you know, like really, really kind of egging him on unless, cause big Ray still, I think, I think big Ray still wants it, but, uh, but, Tim Bradley, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with this. He's got his family. He's got his money. What else does he need? And light punchers don't age well. So I'm, I'm happy he's doing this. And he did make a lot of money, mind you. you. You forget how many big fights in a row he was in. And his wife was his manager at that point after he got away from Cameron Duncan. And they were, and there was two times where he re-signed with top rank where at those moments, you could have said it would have been smarter for him to go across the street, which maybe would have gotten him a Floyd fight. Maybe would have, especially when the PBC launched, could have got him some big time money fights. He stayed with top rank. And I think that he was financially rewarded for doing so Marquez will step aside at age 43 Rafe to sort of uh he couldn't recover from that knee injury for the last two years tried to get healthy we never got to see him again whether it be a wash fight against Cotto of legends anything do you have any sort of regrets on the way out from one from not from the man we will not call Juanma <laughs> um yeah I mean like I, I wanted to see him again I mean he was at the at you know as of his last fight he was looking great I mean, you know, he, he, he just got, he, he just, you know, destroyed Mike Alvarado, who looked like he was in decent shape, but, you know, looked like he yeah. came to fight that time. That was not like, you know, uh, Rios Alvarado three, Mike Alvarado. Um, that was the last the, Marquez fight? That the, was the last the Marquez fight, like May 2015, 14. Wow. wow. 14. He had been gone a while. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which means, you know, I, so I, I would have liked to see that guy fight again. 
um, it didn't work out. And, and in a way that, that, that sort of leads him out of the sport on a very high note in that, you know, he looked great in his last fight. He gave us just a highlight, beautiful knockdown, knockdown. And then even threw in a little bit of that, you know, Marquez, like, will go down in every fight, you know, drama when, when Alvarado knocked him down in the ninth round. That was a fun fight. Um, and it's a nice way to, to remember Marquez as well as all the other sort of great fights with Pacquiao and, uh, even, I mean, man, there's so many, such a fun fighter, man. I, I, I love that guy. Even though he beat, you know, he beat Manny, even though, you know, like that original uh, run at lightweight late in his career when we thought mm-hmm. that he was not going to be able to handle the punching, you know, in the two fights with Juan Diaz, the fight with Cassides, the fight Cacides with Cassides was awesome, man. He gets dropped hard and oh, come, just yeah. comes back and puts it on him. Who else did he fought the, uh, the, the Cuban beat? Casamayor. Casamayor. I mean, that was as fun a run, but can we write these glowing tributes to him without mentioning that? Every boxing fan thought he was on PEDs down the stretch. I mean, is it possible to just say, well, everybody was using it. Who cares? We're not going to try to say it was him. Well, I think you, I think if I, if I were writing one, I would say that, yeah, he looked like he was, uh, he, he had, he had found the fountain of youth, the, the chemical fountain of youth that we don't know. He never, te- he never tested positive for anything. Uh, and it seems that at this point in the sport, a lot of, uh, a lot of fighters are are uh, you know involved in could be involved in the same kind of thing. So it's uh you you kind of put both things out there. It's like baseball, right? You kind of pick which slugger that you wanna what you wanna rail on. But then hey, when Mike Piazza goes, I'm like, you didn't touch the guy, didn't touch the stuff, right? He didn't touch the thing, right? Put put him in the Hall of Fame. Look at that 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 uh, mustache. He loves Led Zeppelin. He's got a hot wife. Let him go. Just let the guy go through the gates. All right, that's you know we pick and choose as sports fans. Rafe, the other bit of news this week is that Paulie Malinaji is leaving Camp McGregor after those leaked photos created a circus. We're talking about McGregor, of course, Malinaji being the former two-division champion brought in as the sparring partner for Conor McGregor. Coming back that second visit, when Malinaji claims he got off the plane, hadn't had more than three hours sleep, and shows up at the UFC's new Performance Center studio, and what was supposed to be private sparring suddenly has Dana White, former UFC owner Lorenzo Fertitta, and the UFC PI cameras, as, as Malinaji keeps saying on Twitter, recording the experience, and has McGregor coming at him, and apparently they had a 12-round sparring war. During that, Paulie claims he was pushed to the canvas. Then the photos start to leak from McGregor's personal photographer of Paulie down, of Paulie with a black eye, of Paulie getting hit with left crosses. And now Paulie says he's out. Paulie says he was never paid. And once Paulie tweeted that he was never paid... He started to drop some details, including Paulie saying on Twitter that Connor whimpers like a girl, end quote, on body shots. Rafe, wow, this this escalated quickly. What is your sort of take on here on how what actually happened? Do you care? Does this affect the fight? I mean, it's going to affect Paulie's uh, analysis in a good way on fight night, right? Because we'll have inside secrets. But what do you take from this? Uh, you know, I don't take, I don't, I don't really believe either side in a way that act in a way that it, like how it affects the fight. Who the heck knows what happened? Uh, it's, it's sort of a, it's, it is a fun sideshow on top of a sideshow. And, uh, if it hadn't been, uh, you know, eclipsed by the amazing, uh, uh, Amir Khan, Anthony Joshua love triangle. Oh, how did uh, I forget had, that uh, this week? Last week, uh, it might be the my favorite controversy of the week. Uh, Twitter Twitter beef of the week, but it, it comes in a a, a a not too distant second. Uh, and 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 really nothing was ever going to beat Khan and Joshua. 
yeah, of course, Khan uh, apparently publicly going through a divorce on Twitter and then tweeting out that he thought his wife was messing around with Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight champion. Joshua Joshua comes back with the shaggy video. It It wasn't me. me. Oh, that was classic right there. And Wow, Khan's life unfolding in front of him. By the way, his wife, who is also on Twitter, really laid into it with a few tweets uh, telling him that his career is down the toilet and he's a 30-year-old and he's washed up and all this stuff. I was like, wow. So maybe this spurns Khan to come back and take some big fights, but that was interesting. The Pauly thing, it, it is what it is. It's it's an interesting development. He feels like he was set up. I wouldn't doubt it. Pauly had said some bad things about Connor accepting this fight in the first place and then suddenly got the call to come into camp. I just want I want to see the footage like everybody else. The Pauly's saying, hey, UFC PI, release your footage. I just soft wonder if there's like a conspiracy angle here. You know, I'm always looking for that. But, you know, what if, okay, Connor goes in there against Floyd. He gets maybe stopped mid-round but comes out like a hurricane, makes it a fun fight. We end up respecting Connor on the way out. And then Connor says, hold on, UFC. I want to make some more money on this side of the pond. Let's do McGregor versus Malinaji on pay-per-view. Hey, that would sell a million. Rafe, come on, tell me, explain why that wouldn't. And I think you're right. I think, I don't think you're right that this is definitely happening, but what, what I think you're right is that there, you're right to be suspicious and suspect like conspiracy in everything that happens with this because there is no real, there is no uh, real competitive foundation for this event in the first place. So why not sort of tack on every kind of weird, extra money-making scheme you can why not make why not fake other stuff why not you know just everything has when you know it's sort of like the 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 i and i'm i never went to law school and don't intend on it so i'm going to destroy this uh legal analogy but like the uh the uh the fruit from the rotten tree you know i mean all the anything that comes with with the 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 rotten tree that is mayweather (laughs) mcgregor where you just can't trust anything uh and it's all to sell, you know, everything that comes out of it is the same. And it's sort of, I got the same feeling uh, or a similar feeling watching all access episode two on Showtime, where you could tell they were clearly going out of their way to make it look like Floyd is not taking this seriously. I mean, you know, vacations in Miami, taking his kids shopping, doing pretty much anything, but training for a boxing match, you know, and and to, to sell the idea that, that, Floyd is going to walk in there not ready, and that'll give McGregor a, a better chance of making a competitive fight. And I don't think that the Paulie-Connor uh, thing was a conspiracy. I just said it, it sort of had the feeling it could be. And by the way, this is going to be a true fact and a true statement. From an actual boxing match standpoint, would I be more excited to see Connor versus an aging retired Paulie with without some you know without power but a slick boxer than I would a Connor versus Floyd? Of course I would, right? I, and it, it, it could continue the trend of weird things happening to Paulie's hair in fights. I mean, going all the way back to the Lovemore and Do rematch, where his, uh, where his, uh, dread, where his sort of braid extensions were falling out, and Paulie cards had to cut him in the corner. I mean, Paulie has been open about he's gotten um, hair transplants, and I don't know how do hair <laughs> transplants hold up in a in a boxing match? Have we ever seen that before? I don't I mean, know. This would be like Carl Frotz going in with a nose job. What that's if the hair starts level. popping out? Yeah, I don't know. By the way, that nose job is holding us back from. Talking Talk about some hashtag old guy fight Super Bowl <laughs> fights. All right, I'm talking Carl Frotz versus Kessler three. I'm talking Carl Frotz versus Calzaghe. Seriously, of all the fights that could be made that would get me to pop old guys coming out of retirement, it just might be Carl Frotz Joe Calzaghe. Somebody earn with her and somebody make that happen. All you got to do is insure the nose, and you're fine. You know, yeah. take out a little extra insurance policy, of and, and he's good. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's get on to our guest of the week, unified middleweight champion Gennady. 
Golovkin, of course, will be facing Canelo Alvarez September 16th, HBO pay-per-view card from Las Vegas. For To a lot of people, to a lot of us, it's still real to us. That's your boxing fight of the year. I think you're going to enjoy what Triple A, Triple G, Triple H. Wow, I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the wrestling gutter here in my mind. Triple G has to say, enjoy. Gennady, you are now going to be entering the most important fight of your career, the one you have wanted for, you know, two years. We're talking about it. Uh, was there any sense of relief when you finally signed the deal that you weren't going to lose it, that we finally made it? Yeah, you're right, man. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you're right. Two years ago, we talked first time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I have. I was interested last couple months, you know. And after fight, Canelo was Charles Jr., I believe. It's possible for us, you know. Yeah. Did you? Right now, I'm very happy. I'm, right now, I'm very excited, you know. It's a new story. <laughs> did, did you have any doubt? that Canelo w w would always want to fight you, or did you think it was just came down to the business and waiting your turn for everything to be right? Um, I think it's just business, you know. Everybody understands, you know, right now, my situation and Canelo, you know. I don't know who is number two, who is number three, who is number, you know, who stay very close for us, you know. I think everybody wants to watch this fight. Everybody very excited. What does this fight mean to you for all the hard work you put in, all the years of trying to get here? Why is this fight so important to you? This is the biggest fight for me. It's 100%. You know, maybe right now I'm not understand. Like, you know, it's big. Depressing for me. It's huge, you know, just uh, first of all, maybe pound for pound, like, who win, like, number one in the world, in the middle of the division. And right now, for me, a little bit bigger, you know, Canelo, last couple of years, he's, like, he's a national hero. You know, maybe, maybe it was my situation in the Union and, or in Kazakhstan, the same. You know, it's very interesting, like, like, a, like a two heroes. Mm-hmm. You get a, you get a chance to do some interviews across from him. You'll get a lot more to to maybe get to know him better. How close are you guys? Is there a respect and a friendship there between you? Not big friend, you know. He knows. I respect his situation. I respect his style. I respect his you know his position because I know it's very hard. It's, it's hard work every day. I believe the same. My side, you know. I think it is business right now. Only business. Mm -hmm. Who is best in the world? Who is best pound for pound? It's very interesting. Gennady, what is your reaction to seeing your fight, which was supposed to be the biggest boxing match of the year, 
justifiably so, get bumped up with the Floyd Mayweather news. Was that a disappointment for you? What was your reaction to seeing that so close to your fight? No, no, because this is a big difference. If you won't watch comedy show or business show, please watch McGregor and Mayweather. You know, everybody understands this. My fight with Canelo, this true fight, this boxing fight, this respect to sport. You know, this is not show, not show event. This is true fight. Uh, big difference. And I know people know this. Is it annoying to to see that steal some of the headlines, steal some of the attention? No, no, because I have. September 16th, in September, not August. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more important time, more important, you know, day. Gennady, you're now 35, you still look fantastic, but do you think there's any chance Canelo wanted to wait for you to get a little bit older before it was time to finally have this showdown? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Right now I feel great. I feel like 25 is going. You know, every year, every day is bigger and it's better for us. And I think right now, this situation is amazing. Not only for, for us, not just for us. So, for sport, for people, two people, you know, two. And for everybody. You know, I think everybody right now is ready. You said this fight, lot at stake, pound for pound at stake. Do you think you'll be, if you can win this fight, you will be able to be worldwide considered the number one pound for pound fighter in the world? No, it's not interest for me, seriously. Right, it's not interest, you know. You know, my goal is all the belt in the middle of the division. It's not pound for pound. Pound for pound is for people, not for, like you, you know, for... <laughs> For people, you know, it's not interesting for me because I know a lot of great boxers, a lot of huge boxers, you know, different style and different way, different people, you know. I can't say, you know, who win pound for pound. No, this is not interesting, seriously. Gennady, your last fight with Danny Jacobs, a very competitive fight. Some people start to have the opinion Maybe Gennady's human. Maybe he's not the guy we always thought he was. From your perspective, just how tough of a match was that? Are people overblowing that opinion of it? This is business. Right. You know, if, if I look very good, I don't have deal with Golden Boy. You know, this is my experience. Both rounds. I need decision fight. I need, this is my first fight. Both rounds. Decision fight, you know. I need this. What did you gain from that fight? What type of, uh, you know, experience or lessons did you gain from, from how close that Jacobs fight was? You know, 100% experience, you know. Full round. Right now I feel more comfortable. And, yeah, I know. Daniel, he's a different guy, you know, different style, different man. He's not Canelo. And, Gennady, can you... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, everything, you know, just... Right now I feel more comfortable. With fourth round, or 
you know, right now I have fights with Canelo. Is he gives me a big, big chance for second step, for Canelo step, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this part is very important for me. In your opinion, in what ways has Canelo improved over the last couple of years while we've been waiting for him to fight you? He looks good. He looks strong. 160, he looks much better. He's a little bit older. He's a little bit smarter. You know, everything. He looks very good. Last fight with Charles Jr. Yeah, I know Charles, he's nothing. Last fight, you know, he was a lot of time. Three or two years is a lot. And Canelo looks good. Very interesting. And everybody. And finally, Gan- Gennady, how important is it for you, like in this Canelo fight, to not just win, but for this to be a giant business success? For this to sell, you know, the kind of pay per views that will, you know. Push you forward as as the as the number one star in the sport. How important is that side of it to you? Yeah, you know, like fifty fifty. Like first, of, of course, I want to win because it's history, history steps, history fight, and of course, why not? Money is money, business is business. That was Triple G and Rafe. Some uh, interesting factoids came out of there. I, I sort of liked his reaction to uh, the idea of Maymax stealing his thunder. Yourself? Yeah, I mean, especially I enjoyed him using the terms comedy show and business show to describe Mayweather McGregor because what Triple G provides is the drama show, which apparently is different from the other two, which are which are negative things, but the drama show is where it's at. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting because – the, on, for, with the Canelo Triple G, you know, promotion, you have sort of this split between Oscar, who's just raining fire and brimstone on Mayweather McGregor, uh, Tom Loeffler, who we spoke to a couple few weeks ago, who was much more calm about it. Triple G, who seems a little bit more, a little bit more negative or willing to sort of step out there and be like, yeah, this is, this is a joke. Um, it's, it's sort of interesting to see how everyone is processing that. Absolutely. And I, I, what I love the best, I think the most, not controversial, but the most interesting comment was when I brought up that Jacobs fight and he essentially, you know, the idea of him being human and he said, this is business, Brian. I mean, you know, if I look very good against Jacobs, I don't get the fight with Golden Boy and, and with Canelo. And that sort of made me go, hmm, can, you know, trip, we know Triple G savvy, smart, but could he really have, attempted to look a little bit more human in a fight that he, you know, barely won on the scorecards? I don't know. I don't know, right? I don't, I'll tell you, I don't like that. I don't like to hear that from him. One, it takes credit away from Jacobs, who fought his ass off, uh, and survived a knockdown and being almost out on his feet in the ninth round. Uh, it also, uh, it, it, I just don't buy it. it. That's not how that fight looked to me. And I mean, maybe Triple G could be that good that he could sell a, you know, a fight that he was in control of or felt he was in control of and, and make it look like it was a lot tougher than it was. But that's just not what I saw. It looked, it looked like, you know, he was fighting a, a world class opponent who was giving him some real trouble. Maybe there's uh, a middle ground though. Maybe there's a middle ground where Triple G thought he was a little bit more ahead on the cards than he actually was. 
and maybe just sort of pl- you know plowed forward with the jab, right. but but allowed it to be a little bit more competitive and then came away. Because but even then, it's still a gamble that's not worth it. You lose the Canelo fight if you lose to Jacobs there, right? See, yeah. So, if you ask me, that's not smart because I think Triple G should know that anytime anyone looks better than like you know a piece of dead meat against him, he's in trouble. That that judges are just going to be giving that his opponent you know rounds for for not fallen down i mean he he sort of developed that that destroyer you know not even human uh reputation and so you know just winning a fight with his jab you know we saw may not be enough like people expect more and maybe even judges yeah good point on the way out here we will play my favorite segment what does it look like Rafe we sort of uh teased on the idea of a couple of these earlier but let me officially throw this one out with Tim Bradley's retirement he was uh did an interview with boxing scene where they asked you know his one regret and I talked about the two times he had signed with top rank for big money when he didn't need to when it appeared that the top rank welterweight cupboard was bare and it was really outside of Manny or Marquez he could have gone elsewhere he said his biggest regret was not getting that Mayweather fight now if you look at his timeline when would the Mayweather fight have made the most sense I think it would have made the most sense after in terms of making it a fight that could sell the most after Bradley defeated Marquez in the fall of 2013 because he was number three pound for pound with a bullet at that point we enter 2014 when Floyd fought Maidana twice what if in spring of 2014 TB had not resigned with top rank and Floyd Mayweather Based off with Timothy Bradley Jr. in a welterweight title unification bout, what does that look like in 2014, Rafe? Uh I think it looks like Floyd Mayweather easily outpointing Tim Bradley. Uh, you know, Tim Bradley fighting very hard and not getting anything done. Uh, you know, that's fair because. Okay, we would have given him his best chance ever because coming off of the Marquez fight, we were like, "Wow, he like outboxed Marquez, right? Like he was he used the speed." But he's distance. a perfect style. That was a that style matchup True. favored Bradley so much. I mean, you I'm know, saying that, I'm just saying yeah. we would have given him his best chance. But the sure. reality is, Bradley's almost this weird tweener where it's like he can use speed and distance in the idea of outboxing somebody to outbox somebody that can be outboxed. But he's not nearly elite, elite, elite level boxing, which is why Manny was always, you know, able to handle him. And as much as we love seeing him being this aggressive brawler, he just doesn't have the power to be an aggressive brawler. So while he's best at balancing both, that's still a very traditional style that that version of Floyd. Do you think he makes the fight boring completely? Just, just. Yes. Yes, because I, I, I don't think Bradley would have found any ways in. Uh, he might have been able, you know, the, the most, the most, the most effective thing Bradley could have done would try and be just sort of, sort of rush in there and like, you know, rub his head on Floyd. Do a Sean uh, Porter, basically. Yes, but I, he's not as he's not as quick as Sean Porter to just burst in. I mean, Sean Porter has that sort of, you know, I mean that that football running back burst where he just sort of jumps on top of you. Bradley is not quite as quick. I don't even know if he could have gotten to through like past Floyd's jab. Floyd is so much longer. Bradley is just like a, a little rock. He's a little boulder, uh, and uh, I just don't see anything he could do really to be that effective against Floyd. He wouldn't. I guess he wouldn't. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten beat. He wouldn't probably wouldn't get beat up because he's he's you know he's a solid defensive fighter. Doesn't get hit with a lot of clean punches in general. But you know he just I don't think he, there's anything he really could have brought to to trouble Floyd. Our idea at that point probably in making a defense would have probably would have said, well look he's not going to back down mentally like other Floyd opponents has. But you know when you're getting picked apart with clean shots, 
no matter who you are, you're going to start to question yourself. You're going to start to slow your output down. Floyd's going to just control it. Rafe, hit me up with a what's it look like. All right. This is one that was talked about, and it seems like now we aren't going to get it. It would have been an interesting send-off, perhaps, for both fighters uh, if they had ever made the uh, Juan Manuel Juanma, as you like to call him, Juan Manuel Marquez uh, versus uh, Miguel Cotto. And, you know, this year and near the end of ends of their careers, basically washed Juan Manuel Marquez versus washed Cotto or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Washed is a little harsh, but here we throw it around like it's nothing. So it's fine. Uh, it's more of a badge of honor at this podcast. Washed is for everyone. We're washed, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cotto Marquez, if it had happened this year um, at, say, um, you know, 150 pounds, uh, if you could have talked Marquez into going up that high, you know, he weighs in at 145 or whatever, um, you know, what does that fight look like? That's a that's a Cotto whitewashing, unfortunately. I think you, you saw – because, look, Cotto can still outbox when he needs to. He's still got the speed for his late 30s, but he would be such a physically bigger fighter at that point. I mean, we you know, he he's pretty solid at 154. We've seen him do the 155 Cotto weight super fights for the middleweight title, but just naturally being bigger. I mean, you know, Marquez wasn't big at welterweight, even with the uh, with the strength programming from, from, ne- from Memo. I just think that with Cotto's boxing ability and his hands are still decently fast, that he would have found every way to win that fight, whether he safely did it by boxing or if Marquez landed some clean counters, Cotto decided, I'm going to use my left hook. We're going to, we're going to get you on it. You, know, you want to start throwing around bombs? I mean, Cotto's left hook is the biggest bomb in that fight. I, I don't see Marquez being able to like hurt him to the level of stopping him. Maybe I'm naive. I don't know, man. I, I like, I mean, I like Marquez in this fight. What? I think, I don't, I don't really, I, I was never impressed with, with, with Miguel Cotto's boxing against anybody. And I don't against think Floyd? that he's... Against Floyd in 2012? You weren't impressed? That was, he didn't, he didn't that, he boxed. He didn't, yeah. Respect he, box, I mean, dude. He well, boxed. yes, he, he, he fought well, but he, that was more, I mean, he got more done by trying, by roughing up Floyd and just sort of being, becoming more of a pressure fighter. I don't, go watch that fight. Okay. It was power, it was sort of like the idea of a, of a lead guard rather than calling somebody a point guard. I mean, it was like, but it was like power boxing, meaning yes, he, it was, there was power. He roughed him up. He bloodied his nose, but it was still within the grounds of proper boxing. You know what I mean? I think Floyd well, didn't yeah. expect somebody could box on that level with him for a few rounds. I guess. Um, but most of the time when you think of Miguel Cotto boxing, you think of him like trying going into survival mode against an opponent who is like about to knock him out. You know, it's like him circling the ring, like galloping around the ring against Manny or even against Josh Clotty. He got a lot of credit for that. It wasn't it, he didn't look great doing it. Uh, it was just enough to beat Josh Clotty. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that when he when he opens up against Marquez, I just feel like Marquez is better. Marquez would not have problems like, you know, catching him. And, and he, and Marquez had a lot of power still at that point, you know, uh, last time we saw him, I'd give him a chance to, to clip him and, and really hurt Cotto. Man, and that it, could it would be, be great to see war. the little man taking him down, chopping down that, that tree. That would have been a washed war. I guess I would favor Cotto by decision in the end because of his size. I think that he would knock Marquez down a couple times, and I think that's where we go. Right, well, you know, who yeah. knows, right? That's where we have No, you, you're, I mean, it, I, I would expect there to be at least like one Marquez, you know, Marquez getting knocked down once at least in that fight, and possibly like two or three times because he's just going down like, you know, in classic Marquez style. But I do think he would get back up and, and really have a chance of, of, you know, getting one of those dramatic sort of draw type scorecards or, uh, or, you know, I could see him knocking Cotto out. I think Cotto's ready to go. Wow. Wow. 
Well, Rafe, that'll do it for our time this week. We 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 hit all the we hit all the topics. This is a, this is a packed show. Special thanks to our guest, Triple G Gennady Golovkin. We got another big name guest coming for you guys next week that you will not want to miss. Catch us on Twitter. It's at B Campbell CBS at Rafe Bugs Double O G S. There, Rafe. Uh, can we buy your book anymore? Is, this, is there any copies left? What's going on with this? You sure can. Uh, two and two. McSorley is my dad and me is still out. Amazon. Uh, most bookstores will still have it. Uh, probably until it runs through the the paperback cycle sometime next year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, if you haven't heard of it yet and are still interested, uh, please check it out. Uh, I put a lot into it, and uh, I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's great. It's great. It, it moved me in many ways. Check out our WWE pod this week as we interview the the monster among men, Braun Strowman. Also have special guest on the MMA pod, King Mo Muhammad Lawal, Bellator fighter, talking about a lot of things, including pro wrestling, including Floyd and boxing. A lot of good stuff coming out of King Mo there. Thank you for tuning in, listening this time. We're coming right back at you every week with that performance-enhancing audio. Rafe, we got two more words for the people before we close up shop. We out.